Lord Jesus, we thank you for the honor of worshiping a God that never changes, a God that is consistent, a God that overwhelms us with his love, with his forgiveness, with his ongoing grace. Thank you, Lord, for being the same God from the beginning through eternity. Amen. Morning, Warehouse. I want to start with a question that may have never been asked of you directly. But what is your story? What is your story? Every single one of you has a story. What is your story? No story exists without a backstory. And a backstory is a culmination of your life events that end up telling your story, your successes, your failures, your relationships, all of those things, culminations tells your story. No story exists without that backstory. So I love this question, what is your story? And I love to ask people that very question, even strangers. I have been sworn by my children that I am no longer allowed to ask that question when they are present though. So I have to do it on my own these days. But we were, I remember a time when it was an evening, we went out to Ponce Inlet to watch the sunset, to watch the surfers, to watch the lighthouse, and we were walking as a family on the jetty. And over at the end, towards the end of the jetty, there was a guy that was modeling. Yeah. He was modeling because the reason I knew he was modeling was because there was three or four camera equipment crews taking pictures of this guy with proper lighting and all. And I started looking. I was like, I got to move closer. Dad, don't. Don't move any closer. I'm like, no, no I've got, I'm too curious. What in the world is going on here? Because he doesn't look like your typical model, right? And so, so I'm like, I, I, I've got to move in. So we started walking a little bit closer. And of course, the kids are looking out this way, pretending they're not with me. And I kept on staring. And every once in a while, he would stare back at me. And we would catch eye contact. And I just got zoned in. And I was like, I got to know the story behind this. And so after the photo shoot, he comes uh, cameraman putting their equipment away and he starts walking towards me. He can't walk anywhere else. If he walks this way, the jetty ends. He has to walk past me. And so when that's done, the kids saw it in my eyes and they jumped the, the railing that you see there and they bounced down to the bottom of the rock so they can kind of hide because they did not want to see the encounter of me asking questions of a total stranger because God forbid that kills people, right? And so, so here he comes walking I got eye contact, he's got eye contact, and neither of us are swerving our eyeballs. We're engaged. And as he's walking closer, 
I'm not looking away. He's not looking away. And he comes up and he gives me the head nod. Okay, you know what the head nod is? You know that one, right? And what does that tell a person? I have permission to talk. It does. For me, that's permission to talk. And so I just go up to him and I said, hey, what's going on, man? What's, what's your story? Kind of a weird question, right? And his name is James. Last name is Church. Kind of cool. James Church. And, and so he told me this. It's as quick as this. He told me his whole story in one sentence. He goes, eh, well... I got struck by lightning right where I was standing and I survived and these people from New York Times wanted to hear about it. What? And so he started to show me these scars and, and what was crazy about this is this guy took off of work, James took off of work, he ran to the inlet, ran through the jetty and he had his fishing rod and he started fishing. Not a cloud in the sky, but one off in the distance, and that was it. And he threw out his rod, and he's fishing, bringing in his bait, and then all of a sudden, everything turned to white and then black. And he tells a story that a lightning bolt traveled, and by the way, they can travel anywhere from 10 to 24 miles, it's been recorded, a lightning bolt from a rain cloud. And so this thing traveled and chose to hit James's fishing rod. And it conducted the lightning bolt through the fishing rod, down his hand, blew off two of his fingers. And you can see that right there. Blew off two of his fingers, and it traveled inside of him and blew out his abdomen. What is going on? And you survived? I was blown away. And here's what's crazy. My kids didn't get to hear that story because they didn't ask. And so it was a great lesson. I was like, no one would have known this story if somebody didn't ask them, what's your story? So that gave me all the fuel to ask anybody I want stories. What is your story? It's crazy, right? So... I want to make a logical statement, and this, you know, it doesn't happen often that I say anything logical, so pay attention to this. So, your story does not begin until the day you were born. Now, there's arguments there that will happen. Well, what about my parents and grandparents and their parents and all of the lineage of my family? No, that's their story. That's history. It's not your story. Your story didn't begin until the day you were born. And then others will argue this. Well, my story technically began the day that I was conceived. Well, if you want to start there, you're just weird. <laughs> it just doesn't start there, right? And for those of you who have kids that don't know what conceived means, uh, Pastor Justin and Juan will be on the right side of the stage later on, and they can answer those questions with parents present if you need that explanation. So, so your story never began until the day you were born. So there's only one person in history of the world that their backstory, their story never had a starting point. Never had a starting point. It was just always there. 
Pastor Juan, a couple weeks ago, started off our series, Who Is This Man? In chapter 1 of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, which he explained is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. Let's travel all the way back to the first three words in Genesis. What does it say? In the beginning. One person knows their Bible. Awesome. So in the beginning, first three words of Genesis. In the beginning, first three words of John. But we know because of John, in the beginning was the word, was Jesus. And you're like, well, in the beginning, that's a starting point, right? So the story started there, right? Well, if you take everything that we know about human history, that would be true. But what happened before in the beginning? In the beginning, creation started. But what happened before in the beginning? Where is there historical documentation before that point? And so that is why I say that there's only one person in the history of the world that their backstory, their story had no starting point. He just always was. That's a hard one to figure out, right? Hard to understand. The story of Jesus started long before his birth. Long before his birth, the story of Jesus started. And from the beginning of creation that we read in, in Genesis through Malachi, there's 574 times that the Bible either points to, describes, or references the coming of Jesus. And then when you fast forward into the life of Jesus, there is 300 times that Jesus' life fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. So, Jesus' story began before he was born. And so today, we're going to look at all 300. So, I hope you brought your lunch. I'm just kidding. We're just going to talk about one. I think it's one of the most important, but we're only going to talk about one of these 574 that point, describe, or talk about his coming. And 300 of those he fulfilled. And we're going to talk about one of them today. So the context is this. This was 740 years before Jesus was born. And God sent a message to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And the context of that was that the people of God suffered greatly at the hands of the Assyrians at this point. And then that's handed over to the Babylonians after that. And so if you've done any historical reading on the brutality, not only physical brutality, but psychological brutality of the Assyrians, you have an idea of what the people of God were going through at the time, 740 years before Jesus was born. And God's message comes to Isaiah 
as a message of hope. And it's Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. We're going to look at these verses here. And it starts out with this. We're just going to look at the first sentence for a second. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. That, In other words, the outlook of life was bleak. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. So what's, what's going on here? At some point, there will be no more gloom and doom for those who are in distress. The very next sentence is kind of bizarre because it starts talking about a geographic location. And so here's the geographic location. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So somebody from this geographic location that was just described is going to take away the doom and gloom of life and the distress that people are going through and someone's going to show up to this geographic location. Jesus grew up in what town? What good can come out of Nazareth. He grew up in Nazareth. And then in his early ministry was in Capernaum. Both are cities in Galilee. That's the geographic location. So Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy over 700 years before. Right in Matthew chapter 4. We're not going to go there, but Matthew chapter 4, if you want to make reference to that, it's in verses 12 and 13. It gives you the very exact geographic location that over 700 years before was talked about in Isaiah. Verse 2, God's message to Isaiah to his people continues. And it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. God's people were certainly in the dark spiritually. And they were asking lots of questions because there seemed to be no evidence of any form of hope. And part of the story of Jesus is light chasing away darkness. And is being described here 700 years before Jesus' birth. That light will chase away darkness. And again, 700 years before. Let's fast forward 740 years later to the life of Jesus. This is words of Jesus himself. John chapter 8 verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus chasing away darkness. Paul also referenced is the light. For you were once in darkness in, in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. 
First Peter, one of his disciples, said this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. First John, another one of his disciples, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him, Jesus, talking about Jesus, an eyewitness of Jesus is saying, this is the message that he declared to us, that we're now declaring to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. But if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, that purifies us from all of our sin. Another prophecy fulfilled from over 700 years ago. Remember, verse 2 was saying, in chapter 9, was saying, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We just described who that great light was. Over 700 years later. Goes on and it starts to talk about people living in darkness and now it's as if people are caged up and controlled. Listen to the language here. For as in the day of Medians, this is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5, uh, 4 and 5. For as in the day of, of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the You, you, God, you, whoever this you is, whoever this guy is, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, a bar across their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor has been shattered. In other words, the, the yoke, the bar, the, the rod were farming tools to control farm animals. And these, these terms were also used to describe the oppression of a conquered people. The oppression of, of people who were, who were in jail and, and, and had no freedom at all. So these were people who were living in complete darkness and doom and, and gloom and distress and that weren't free. And that's what's being described here with what the Assyrians were doing. But we're on this side of the resurrection and we know a little bit more of the context and the story of what they were going through and then what you as individuals are going through. It's the same God. It's the same story. It's his light chasing away the darkness in us. It's he's the one that is freeing those of you who are in any form of, of, of bondage. He is shattering that yoke, that bar, that rod. The oppression of God's people would eventually be absolutely shattered. And I'm going to read you a, a verse that's really familiar at Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And then it talks about, okay, this is, this is good, that the distress is gone, uh, and, and the, the, the darkness is gone, and, and, and now the, the, the yoke and the rod and the bar that holds us captive, that's going to be shattered. But how? How will that happen? And this verse answers the how. For to us, 
a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Man, that's great hope. See, the Hebrew verbs, if you paid attention, those Hebrew verbs used in, in, these, in these verses emphasize a finished action as though it had already been completed. Isaiah spoke these words and he was, he was speaking of a future event as if it had already been completed. It's done. It was done 740 years before Jesus' birth. It's a done and finished deal. It will happen, just like all of God's promises. So who is this child? Who is this son? Who is this man? Who is this wonderful counselor? See, the idea of wonderful, it actually means extraordinary. And the Hebrew language is somewhat confusing because it can have multiple meanings, right? Well, let's just say right, but, you know, few of you know Hebrew a little bit. And it actually is translated as miraculous. So the word wonderful is actually translated miraculous here. And then you add that word counselor, which denotes the quality of wisdom. And so what we're talking about is who is this man? It's a man who, is a mir- who has miraculous wisdom. It's a wonderful counselor. is somebody who has miraculous wisdom. So who is this mighty God? You know what mighty God is, is uh, translated as? A divine warrior. A divine warrior. A miraculous wisdom, whoever this man is, somebody who is a divine warrior, everlasting father, you fuse those two words together and it refers to a compassion for those who are helpless. Wow. Is it starting to sound familiar of who this man is that's being talked about over 700 years before his birth. And then here we have this Prince of Peace. And it's interesting because this is where we get really confused because never in Jesus' ministry did he ever say that you will be without suffering. It says, actually, if you follow me the way I've called you to follow me, it's inevitable you will suffer. And then he throws everyone off and he says, I want you to pick up the cross and follow me. That's all suffering. So he never guarantees at all that you will not suffer. But in the midst of Mental suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, depression, anxiety. In the midst of all of that, it is only the Prince of Peace that you would want to sit with you through the fire and chaos and hell of life. 
because it is only from that peace that you can breathe and take one step forward in the midst of that chaos. And in the last verse, it declares for the rest of eternity that whoever these men are, this man is that is being described as a mighty divine warrior, a miraculous counselor, an everlasting father, a prince that brings peace and surpasses all understanding through the chaos and hell of life. Through all of that, he says, this is how I will rule. And he goes on, verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, another prophecy fulfilled, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So who is this man? I'm going to read to you descriptive words all taken from scripture that describe who this man is. So who is this man? We know him and his name is Jesus. He is Lord Almighty, eternal ruler, the revelation of God, healer of the broken, commander of the angel armies. Who is this man? He is the holder of keys of life and death. He is the Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, Savior Emmanuel, Lamb of God. Who is this man? He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has supreme authority and sovereignty. Who is this man? He is the Good Shepherd, the Alpha and the Omega, Light of the World, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. Who is this man? He is our Advocate, our Mediator, our Judge, Chief Cornerstone, Author and Finisher of our Faith. Who is this man? He is the Lamb of God, Good Shepherd, the Word, Fountain of the Living Waters, the Rock, the True Vine, and I should say the True Rock. Who is this man? He is the Bridegroom, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Bright and Morning Star. He is the image of the invisible God. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we can preach for the next thousand years and 10,000 after that. And we will barely be able to scratch the surface of answering the question of who is this man or understand his love. If you can explain God, you're not worshiping the right God. But what we want to do here at Warehouse 
is we want to tell the story of Jesus. And it is our prayer that as we tell the story of Jesus, that somehow you would invite his story into your story. And that every fiber of your being, every relationship that you encounter will be blended with the story of Jesus. So that when people witness you at work, when people listen to you, when people watch you from a distance, they see something different. They feel something different. There is something about people who have Jesus in every fiber of their being where it is contagious. And it is our prayer that as you hear the story of Jesus week after week, of us answering the question of who is this man? And through you personally experiencing him, not just once a week here, but throughout the week, people will come to you, hopefully total strangers, and say, hey, what's going on? What is your story? And you will be able to tell the story of Jesus. Every one of you has a story. And there are some of you right now who you feel that you are in complete darkness and you haven't seen light for a long time. You are in distress and doom and gloom. You feel trapped and you haven't been free in a long time. And maybe that comes from some of your choices, somebody else's choices that have impacted you and I don't know what you're experiencing today but I know that I know some of your stories not all but some and we all experience dark spaces in life as we sing this last song we want to speak Jesus over your life. And for those of you that have been experiencing anxiety, depression, and hear me, hear my heart. For those of you who've, who've struggled with even wanting to live on and you have battled suicidal thoughts, we wanna speak Jesus over you. 
there, there is so many of you in here that are married. And I don't know what's going on in all of your marriages, but maybe there's forgiveness that needs to happen. And I want to speak Jesus and sing Jesus over you. Those of you who have children that may not be sitting near you, find your parents. Because parents, when we sing this song, I want you to sing Jesus over your children. Deborah and I have a very dear friend of ours. And she has lost much and she has suffered much. And when we pray with her, as we pray, during prayer, all we can hear her say is, Jesus, Jesus, sweet Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful. Demons shriek at the name of Jesus. Darkness runs at the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare now that the people in this room will be marked by the light of God. That whatever the struggle, whatever the evil, whatever the sin, whatever the addiction, it is only by the name of Jesus that those chains can be broken. And as a result of that, freedom is experienced in the name of Jesus. We pray that in this moment, in this song. Amen.